This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're continuing conversations about Acts 11 today, so let's take a closer look. Let's do it. So, um, one of the things that you have to understand about the book of Acts is it's a minor theme and it's a substructure of the book but one of the motifs that luke chooses to use in order to express the way things are happening is based on geography okay so if you remember where is jesus crucified in jerusalem in jerusalem where so that means where is jesus resurrected jerusalem and where does he ascend jerusalem Okay, where does Pentecost happen? Acts chapter 2. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Where does the persecution of Stephen happen? Jerusalem. Ah, okay. And where does Acts chapter 9 happen? Jerusalem. Oh, no. No, No, wait, no. On the road to Damascus. Yeah. We're on the move, friends. That's right. We're, yeah. We're on the move. Yeah. The story develops based on geography. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things you have to note as we open up chapter 11 or this section of chapter 11. Now, we have been on the move. Yeah. We've been to Joppa and Lida with Peter in chapter 10. And like, following him, going around to different places. No, Joppa and Lida. But just yeah, those but, two places. Um, yes. But you're following him to different places. But yes. Yeah, we followed Peter to a couple different places. We saw Paul do a movement, but we haven't really picked up his story again yet. Verse 19 of chapter 11 gives us an indication just how far things have progressed because it references back to chapter 7 in the persecution of Stephen. Verse 19, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen. So that's all the way back in chapter 7. Yes. So you should expect that people that were about to meet in Antioch have not heard anything that's happened from 8, 4 up until now. They don't know anything. They left. And here's where they went. They traveled as far as Phoenicia... Cyprus and Antioch and they spoke the word to no one except Jews okay now the Bible New Testament nerd in me is going to uh, get a little technical here for a second Clayton where's Phoenicia I have no idea okay so if you didn't know I'm going to show Clayton a map Um, could we put I'll try to put one in. I'll try to find a link to one and I'll link it down in the show notes. But this over here is um, on the right side of the map. No, I'm just talking to you. Yeah. On the right side of the map is Syria and Jerusalem is right down here. This is the Dead Sea down here. Okay. You have uh, Damascus up here where Paul went. Phoenicia is the area on the coastline okay Okay. 
Now, Caesarea uh, is over here, okay? So they're familiar with the coastline, and they will travel. But by and large, the Israelite people are afraid of water. Water houses Leviathan. Water is storming. Water is chaotic. Water is unknown. People do not like water. If you understand that metaphor, the book of Jonah makes a whole lot more sense. He's out on a boat. He's swallowed up by a big fish, a big fish that by no means would be able to vomit him up three days later on dry land. Right. No, that's a metaphor carrying over. The water is scary and chaotic. The land is safe and known. Completing the metaphor. In the same way, Jews are afraid to travel by water. They are not a sea people. Most of their movements are on land. What did Moses do, Clayton, when they left Egypt, parted the sea? Mm-hmm. If they were water people, they'd have just jumped on it, right? Just go on about their way. But they don't. But what the text tells you is they go to the coast. And then the next place they go to is Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Cyprus is a little island out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Right. You see this? Yes. Okay. Now, and then they go as far as Antioch. Where's Antioch? Over there. Right up here near Galatia. Yeah, pretty far away. So how? So what did we do and how did we get there? Got on a boat, went to Cyprus, mm-hmm. and then got on a boat on the other side of Cyprus and then went up to Antioch. Or went around Cyprus... Just to go to Antioch if people knew they were skipping Cyprus. But you see the the three-step progression of how we've moved beyond geographically. Yes. Okay. Well, now we're all the way at Antioch, up near up north near Galatia, and we've traveled in a way that we wouldn't be able to do without the help of foreigners or others because we're not sea people. We got on a boat in a foreign land. Phoenicia is not our home, right? And so we're traveling out. Now we have the people going farther than they've ever been, but they're also every bit as exclusive. Did you see what the text said? They went, oh, I didn't read it all the way. So they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, and they spoke the word to no one. Except Jews. Interesting. So Luke is trying to show you that the story is trying to progress, but there is this ethnic pull that is holding this message back because they won't share it with anyone except Jews. Even though we just had this whole narrative about the Gentiles accepting. Correct. But these people don't know. Right. Remember? Yeah. These people left out of the persecution of Stephen, so they don't know. So now we're getting a second almost unfolding of the same tension Mm. in a new way because Luke is trying to show you that absolutely this ethnic boundary is a huge thing we have to overcome. Okay. The other in society is a huge obstacle that must be overcome. I see that. Clayton, who is Luke's gospel for? The oppressed. Oh, okay. 
So it makes sense that Luke might be real concerned with the quote-unquote other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luke's real concerned with the other. So we're getting a second unfolding of the same problem. Here's how the text continues. But among them were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also proclaiming the Lord Jesus. So who, some men from Cyprus, so Cyprus is the halfway point on the the sea journey, right? Mm -hmm. Some men from Cyprus came to them, well, came to Antioch and spoke to the Hellenists. So they spoke to the Greeks there. They spoke to the non-Jews there. But they were telling a message of the Lord Jesus. How might that have possibly happened, Clayton? If the Jews showed up in fear of persecution and never did, how, and like they're not going to tell anybody for fear, how might, how might this happen? Dude, I have no idea. Really strange to think about, right? Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. How, I don't even know how I would approach that conversation. Well, in chapter 9, we have the conversion of Saul, right? In Damascus, yes. In Damascus, which is just north um, of Jerusalem, right? but on the land side, not all the way up to Cyprus. Correct. Okay. But where does he leave after he goes to Damascus? Where does he go after Damascus? Where has he been for his recess in the story? Where has he been? In Tarsus, his hometown. Oh, okay. Where's that? All the way up here. Oh, interesting. Now, also remember, they knew who he was in Damascus. Uh Uh-huh. And so his story will continue to travel. And he wasn't hiding anybody's story, and he had to go all the way to Tarsus. Word is definitely getting around. Yeah. And I bet Paul is telling a very different story than how everybody else is making up what's going on. Because remember, Paul was, or Ananias was told by Jesus that Paul would be his instrument to the Gentiles. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're driving right now and can't pull up the map. It's true. But all you need to know is Tarsus is almost all the way to Antioch. The only difference is you get there all the way by land and not by sea. Yeah, it's a much longer journey around. Well, (laughs) it depends. You don't go quite as far, right? So to go to Tarsus versus to go to Antioch, you don't go quite as far. I'm not necessarily sure that it's an all the way around, but what it is showing you is that we're circling the known world. Yeah. We're, we're slowly encompassing every piece of it. And if you know the rest of the story, right, Ephesus is over here. Paul writes a letter to Ephesus. Yeah. Philippi is over here. Paul writes a letter to Philippi. Galatia is over here. Paul writes letters to Galatia. Athens is over here. Paul has a famous speech uh, in, in Athens. Athens. Yeah. Corinth is here. Thessalonica. We're, we, he makes his way through the known world. He makes his way through the known world. So eventually... The entire known world will be met with the geographical locations. But as we've went this way, some men from Cyprus have come and started talking to the Hellenists. Mm-hmm. 
So clearly word has gotten around that something is different about the message of Jesus that these Jews who, remember, are still trained to be exclusive. Nobody told them not to share the message with anybody other than Jews. The Jews are the ones that persecuted them. The only people that would be safe to tell this message to would be the Gentiles. And they chose not to because they've been trained to be exclusive, that this is not a faith for outsiders. But then these other people show up, and it's the experience of these people, these men from Cyprus, coming that makes them possibly change their mind. Now, word gets around because, continuing on in verse 21, the hand of the Lord was with them, these men from Cyprus, and a great number became believers and turned to the Lord. So now, even in Antioch, away from the Jerusalem temple, where we have an exclusive faith, we have in Antioch, a people of an exclusive faith, and yet the faith has overrun them. It's not just them. We now have Greeks involved. We've broken down this massive other obstacle, even when we were still trying to be exclusive, even outside of our own land. You see, we didn't tell anybody, and yet the faith has still broken down this barrier. Following? Yes. Okay. Twenty-two. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So now we've had enough time that the word has traveled, not only that the people of the way, the word of Jesus, the message of Jesus has traveled all the way to Antioch, but now word's gotten back that there's a Gentile element into it all the way back to Jerusalem. And so they send Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and he extorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were brought to the Lord. He, when he shows up, he sees the grace of God. He encourages them to keep the devotion to the way. And then the text says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were brought to the Lord. Clayton, what do you make of that that phrase? For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. That he was fully devoted to the way of Jesus. That he was trying to live out what he knew of the man of Jesus, which probably was not much because it was all secondhand stories for Barnabas. I think the reason that hi- that Luke highlights that he's a good man and that he's full of the Holy Spirit because he was there for Pentecost? No. 
Nobody needs to believe. Nobody needs convincing that this guy is a Christian. Sure. He was sent by the church. None of this should like be like evidence. Yeah. Of like him being sent by the church is the evidence that he's a Christian. And so for him to be a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, faith in what? Faith in God? Faith in Jesus? Faith in the divine. Faith in that he might not understand why the lack of exclusivity, the thing that I'd been told the whole time, which I'm also now being told Jesus is the fulfillment of. I don't understand why this is happening this way, but when I showed up, I rejoiced in the grace of God. That is what makes him a good man. I think that's what makes him full of the Holy Spirit in this moment. I think that's what makes him a person of faith, is that he might not understand why this is now wide open to all these people, even though for his entire life he's been told, Israel first, Jew first. But now he just shows up, and he's amazed by the grace of God. A good man, full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and what you will find, let me say this, this book historically, the book of Acts, um, has somewhat been hijacked by the charismatic traditions, and so the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts naturally means this miracle worker, like this show of evidentiary power through these signs and wonders, but really, the power of the Holy Spirit is in the way that the Holy Spirit empowers people to break down barriers. The power of the Holy Spirit is the way in which the the Holy Spirit leads people to live an open-handed faith of healing. It's not just about the miracle. It's about the way in which the Holy Spirit is manifesting so that these people become people of healing and wholeness instead of exclusivity and oppression, what, what they were in the Old Testament what they were in the first testament, what they had the first go-round, the Holy Spirit becomes the difference maker in these people living out of faith that is one of love and hospitality and kindness and all the things that are in the message of Jesus. I think that Luke is absolutely using the Holy Spirit as a metaphor not that, it's, not that the Holy Spirit is not also this, but I just think the story element, the Holy Spirit is absolutely um, the fuel to the fire, for lack of a better metaphor, for the way in which Christianity spreads to all people. Because we're also going to get to a point where we have some encounters with Rome. We have some political metaphors that happen. We've already had sexual metaphors in chapter 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch. We're going to, in chapter 16, see an experience with a bunch of women. Like, we are going to see this thing take on every, quote-unquote, societal other that it can. This is Luke writing, after all. And the Holy Spirit becomes the motif that breaks down the barriers of the others. The Holy Spirit becomes the power, quote-unquote, uh, quote 
to do the difficult thing of inclusivity rather than the powerful thing of exclusivity. And that becomes evidenced by the fact that the text says, and a great many people were brought to the Lord. There's no question anymore that what happened in chapter 2 and all of these people that came to the Lord in Jerusalem, that that type of reproduction power in people of the way isn't going to continue to happen, but it's going to happen in ways that we didn't expect because the Holy Spirit is acting in ways we didn't expect. God is acting in ways we didn't expect. If you read the Old Testament, you don't expect God to show up and act like this in the New Testament. It's not what you're looking for. And this part I love. Remember how I was talking about geography? We're about to get a little bit more of it. After this, Barnabas has seen enough. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So remember when I said Tarsus, Paul had went up to Tarsus and um, the people in Barnabas had went this other way across the sea to Cyprus. So there is a connecting stretch on the top of the Mediterranean Sea that has not, they've not crossed through yet. But if Barnabas leaves Antioch, goes to Tarsus and goes from Tarsus back to Antioch, we've made the full circle. We've encompassed everything we've, we've reached out from now, Right. He brings Paul to Antioch. And don't miss, it's important that Paul is going to Antioch. Why is it important that Paul is going to Antioch? Because we were told in chapter 9 that Paul is God's chosen instrument to the Gentiles. Right. It's Paul, this is Paul's mission to actually do and affect what's already happening. Mm. This is what God wants Paul to do, to be the instrument to the Gentiles. So it was that for an entire year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Mm. Do not miss that. Do not miss that it's in Antioch. The farthest place that we could be up into the story at this point, away from Jerusalem, across the sea, where the message actually first reached people and actually started talking to people other than Jews in Antioch by people that weren't even Jewish. Yeah. We show up in Antioch and Paul is getting ready to do something amazing. And this message is about to go to every societal other that can be dreamed of. And they give them a name, not when it was exclusive, not in Jerusalem, not in the capital, not in the metaphor of power. Remember, that power, that Judaism, that temple, not only killed Jesus, it also killed Stephen, one of our own, the first martyr, a Jew. We're about to go to war with with the temple. Don't think that that doesn't happen. Those metaphors of power? No, we could have given us a name there. Peter absolutely is the type of leader that could have done that. 
But no, we get a name for what's happening. This miraculous move of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the way the, that these people are manifesting a message of Jesus, the Christ, we get a name for that in Antioch, where it's more about the Gentile than it is about the Jew. That's the message of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. That's what we're all looking for and waiting to unfold.